cars now. I go in back and scrub down those garbage cans. Okay, and we're in. Um, welcome to Love and Content. This is a new podcast in which I talk to artists and creators about pieces of art that mean a lot to them. Today I'm talking to uh, filmmaker James Sherlambides. Hello. Hi. Hello. Oh, he- there you are. Hey. Good, to, good here, to see right you. Next to you. How are Hello. you? I'm, I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm very good. So, James, you wanted to talk about the band Clipping and specifically... Two songs two by songs. clipping. Go uh, buy a girl a drink first. Yeah. That's that's all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, we just no, we're going straight into it. Um, okay. You want to talk about work, 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 work. The lead Riggle. single of yeah. CLPPNG and uh, Riggle off the EP Riggle. Okay, well maybe maybe I should give a bit of context first, just because um I like I, I know uh you you asked me about this a while back, uh what I what I wanted to pick to talk about on the show. Uh, and my natural thing was was to go with films, but I, I tried weighing up what art had the most impact on me last year, which was obviously such a miserable fucking time. Oh, what happened? Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. Um, well, I started listening to clipping apparently, uh, which is which is maybe the best apocalypse music that that could exist. I I think the reason I picked these two songs specifically, Riggle, um, and I'll get into why, and just let, let me know if I'm. If I'm going off the rails here, but I think this is all helpful. I mean, yeah, so what is Clipping then? Right, so Clipping is a uh, three-person band from California that makes kind of uh, industrial, like, horrorcore rap and hip-hop. They released a banging album last year, Visions of Bodies Being Burnt, which these two songs aren't from, but they've done a whole lot of stuff, effectively. Like, they've gone from a kind of more traditional... Traditional is the wrong word. It should never be the word used to describe this band. But they went through a, a slightly more mainstream rap sound to mm. this like super heavy, theatrical, conceptual, sort conceptual of. horror-based stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, I first I first heard them with their new album last year. I'd heard a couple of songs before, but like properly sat down and listened to. I got recommended um, uh, "Say the Name," which is the first track off their latest album, um, which is an entire song about the film Candyman. Uh, so you sort of get the idea of what what that type of deal is there, but um, yeah, I heard that and that was okay. And then I was just started scrolling through their Spotify, and unlike with a lot of other stuff, I listened to. I remember the exact first time I listened to Riggle. Uh, I was sitting on the train, and I I put it on, and it was one of the craziest things I've, I've like ever heard. And yeah, it completely blew my mind, and I've been a fan of the band since. And it slowly began morphing into more and more of what I was listening to that year. And especially considering how like miserable the time was, it was it was the perfect thing. So I picked these two songs because I think they're worth talking about. They each exemplify a very good part of the band's sound and feel, and are like a great introduction to anyone trying to get into the band. Um, it's it's I mean it's absolutely crazy. You've got you've got two songs here basically. Um, I was racking my brain over whether I should pick like a whole album. Um, I, you know, I unapologetically love pretty much all of their releases. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, um, it would still probably be like their self-titled clipping just because it's got so many classic tracks on there. Um, and which is so, what work work is from. Yeah. Work work is from that, uh, taking off's a great one as well. Get up is just like an entire song where the beat is just an alarm clock, which you'll, you'll be able to tell if it's the type of band for you, if that sounds very exciting. It's brilliant. And it's even better. Yeah on the album because it comes straight after the song dream yeah because which is a very ethereal obviously dreamlike song that suddenly transitions into quite a harsh beat and everything about their songs is so conceptual they always start out with what are we trying to do with this song and in fact uh, the song work work which, if I'm a good podcaster, I'll put in here singing tin pan alley songs panhandling in front of tourists with the camera phones Get it how you live, or live till you get it, get it in. When the stash low and it's no cash, get it in. And you're riding no L's, no tags, get it in. And she looking like you ain't gonna smash, get it in. But she got her legs up on the dash, show these haters how to get that work, make that work, work. Get that Is work, a that work, sort of play on a DJ Mustard song, because when they spoke about um, doing the song, the first thing they said was, well, we wanted Cock Pistol Creep because we heard her on a DJ Mustard uh, mixtape and 
we just decided that we wanted to have her on. And most of the time when they have guest rappers on, that entire song has been made for them yeah. in the sort of style that they're used to, or at least their version of that style. And that's what work work is. It's a riff on this specific idea. Yeah. Well, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of natural collaborators, I think, obviously, because David Diggs does so much other stuff. Um, oh, we can, we can talk about that a bit more later. And like Jonathan does like a lot of movie soundtracks and things, but um, I think, yeah, I, I pick work work specifically because it has, um, it has a perfect kind of marriage of what ends up kind of being like almost, uh, I can't really explain it like ghetto Gothic. The sort of overall aesthetic of clipping is mm. this like nightmare version of, of of urban living, and what work work to me is, is a great bridge between the gap of like kind of West Coast hip hop sound and like Diggs has talked about Mac Dre and a lot of other like early two mm. thousands and the best thing about work work to me, although it's got some great rhymes, not necessarily the best rhymes on that self titled album, but it's got one of the most ingenious bits of production. Ever, which is this kind of like almost reverse glass smash because it ends at this, I, ends I know at what that is stuff. actually yeah, so it's, on it's got a... they get into it and the song exploded some of the sounds because yeah. um yeah they are Jonathan Hudson and uh will no William Hudson and Jonathan Snipes yeah. are both sort of noise music people and they mo a lot of the recordings they do are field recordings they said that one of their rules is they never do um traditional drum sounds or they try not to so some of the sounds you'll hear in that song that sort of cymbal sound is of a metal thermos being tapped at different frequencies that shattering sound you're talking about is the reverse of brick shattering okay interesting and the sort of like crinkling sound is them crinkling beer cans that's interesting yeah yeah i always kind of get a I, the thing i like about it is because it does have that sort of um again like um Mac Dre type of writing beat mm. with the like uh, the, the, the kind of clicking and the um, you know the guy who did feeling myself. So yes. it's a... And it's just very um I you know it has the feel of like a kind of West Coast gangster brag rap, but obviously mm. ends up with him getting shot at a traffic stop by yeah. a police officer. A lot of yeah, a lot and... of their songs are especially off this album CLPPNG yeah. are plays on and send-ups of that sort yeah. of hardcore gangster rap well style. with summertime as well which summertime is like very much fantastic. kind of like a sort of like a barbecue anthem almost mm. that is actually again just about yeah intense street and uh, a reminder of the fact that most street murders happen in the summer yeah 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 I, I i the one where it kind of bridges over i guess into the sort of more gothic thing and they take that step with probably my second favorite clipping album which is there existed uh, addiction to blood mm. but um which actually visions of body be bodies being burned and the second kind of yeah the kind of twin it was meant to be one yeah. big album um i think i think the there's a song on that uh club down which is like probably one of the most impressive sets of lyrics i think Diggs has ever written mm. and to me that's the almost logical i i it's no coincidence that they moved from stuff like off self-titled album um uh into this more like incredibly ornate horror soundscape thing mm. because it really is just personifying with club down it's just um that whole song is terrifying to listen to it's actively terrifying it's why again it was so great last year because just walking around everything felt like absolute shit and mm. you've got this i mean truly scary sound something so cool about um david diggs which I'm going to say this and I'm going to probably sound like a wanker is like the way he uses language is almost Joycean. His like his voice is an instrument and yeah. it is so precise and refined um, off off CLPPNG. There's story two, which is fantastic in the way that the Milter beat the meter builds and builds and builds and gets and actually rises in the measures like it starts out in 12, eight and then it goes to 12, seven and it keeps going and going. Um, I hope I've, said that right because i don't know anything no, 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 about yeah, music theory <laughs> well i mean that's what story two is probably again one of the second songs that really got me into it but even within that first album you have like the horror elements like the opening track is body and blood which is fucking so scary and great mm. which is about um, a woman who is really sexy and goes to the club and murders people yeah they got a couple of tracks about they're almost that exact scenario. I think story <laughs> seven as well as uh well i think story seven is about a werewolf but um yeah it's, it's so it really that that first song or at least work work to me is one of their most 
concise, like brilliant bits of production. It's a fantastic introduction to listen to if you're trying to get into it. Um, I had someone recently start talking to me about like Injury Reserve, which is another three-piece hip-hop duo they get compared to a lot of the time. Not my thing as much as clipping, but I think Work Work's a bit closer to that kind of sound mm. where you could listen to it as a hip-hop song, whereas a lot of their later discography, you know, it's a very, yeah. it's a very particular thing. It, um, I think as it goes on, they become more conceptual, maybe starting with Splendor and Misery, which is... An entire concept album. Of yeah, like, yeah, it's a sci-fi horror sort of space opera, Yeah, which is an absolute trip to listen mm. to. I was... The other day I was just walking around London trying to get a second vaccine early on like the hottest week of the year, just listening to this hot, like grotesque, like yeah, terrifying, true. crushing horror. And it was a very unpleasant experience, but in a good way. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I've, I've ever sort of introduced and what I what I really appreciate about clipping as well is like. You can play those songs, and you can you can you can even you can mix something like work work into a set of party. It's a little bit mm. harsher, but it's like it's got such an interesting beat, and it's yeah. such good sound. And when you know, like when the cash flow and then the chorus comes in, you got the bass, and it's, you know, it's, it's it works very well as a rap song. Um, and there are a couple of cuts like like ninety six Neve Campbell and uh, um, and say the name as well off the new album that do also work just kind of as songs by themselves. But mm. something like Splendor and Misery, you just have to sit and listen to the whole thing. And I don't think I've ever at least recommended some of the songs off There Exists No Addiction or Visions of Bodies Being Burned to People. That it, the, yeah, the actual lyrical content hasn't genuinely shocked them by just how fucking grisly mm. it is. Because uh, horrorcore is something that has kind of diminished. Yeah. In, I mean, I guess you've got Tyler the Creator, especially early Tyler the Creator was kind of horrorcore, but most of it had its heyday in the 90s with, yeah. say... Grave Digger or Sam Psycho. Yeah, I think I think with with you know a lot of I I, I guess maybe the comparison to any of like Odd Future stuff. I just I don't think does it credit because so much of the shock value and like Goblin and all that early stuff is just him being a massive edge lord, uh, which is fine, you know. And it's like oh yeah, you know like oh, I think him talking about you know raping someone to death or like stabbing them in the face or whatever. Like I don't I don't I haven't listened to Goblin in ages. Um, but you know, like it, it's more about deliberately shocking you. The thing I love about clipping and the way Diggs writes is that it's like, it's all part of this truly gothic and violent world. They, they're ghost and, stories. Yeah, they're ghost stories. You know, they're, they're, they're these, these incredible, like sprawling, like crime nightmares. And mm. I think uh, there's never a lyric that sh- there are there are lyrics like I think about uh, the show, which is one of uh, it's it's effectively just like straight up. Uh, I think it's the second or third track off There Is an Addiction, and it's an entire song about this guy who murders people on stage to make people feel... It's horrible, right? There's literally a lyric in there that's like toenails trailing through the snow. Like, it's so visceral, but I never get the feeling that he's putting it in just to make people mm. uncomfortable or to freak out the squares. Like, what? it's always part of this very intense library of, like, horror knowledge. There is a sort of, I think, the division between... Um, clipping and Tyler the Creator and clipping an, an awful lot of rap in general is the fact that one of their rules is that they don't sing in the first person. Yeah. David only writes in the second person or the third, um, which, by the way, this I lost my shit when I found this out. The reason that their second album is called CLPPNG is a pun because they're, they take all the eyes out. Oh, I didn't know because that. it's not in the first yeah. person. Oh shit! I always just thought it was an abbreviation of the name. That's why I've been calling it the self-titled one. I didn't realize. That's brilliant. Yeah. It, yeah. Um. So it gives them. First of all, it's none of it is autobiographical. Yeah. And part of what they said is, I think, um, William Hudson said something like, "It's good because you could never imagine David as like trying to pull himself off as like this stone cold killer." Yeah. Um. But it means that they're much more interested in like painting pictures and scenes and yeah. telling these elaborate narratives you know well an actual actual storytelling i think what i like about i mean again you think about i he did a nature davy diggs is like a huge he's, he's becoming bigger and bigger but you know he's, he's obviously in hamilton he's he was like um, very, thomas jefferson and yeah, lafayette in hamilton yeah. and he also though he also did a nature valley ad recently <laughs> which you must have seen right no i haven't okay so there's a nature valley ad where davy diggs sings uh 
version of I'm going to be 500 miles, but it's we're going to plant 500 trees because it was part of this Nature Valley campaign. And it's yeah, Nature Valley, come, you know, and it's like I that came up on my feed literally midway through listening to I think it was like Body and Blood or something. One of the really, you know, songs about people it, literally chandelier made of femurs, I think, is one of the like, yep. yeah, one of the lyrics in, in Body and Blood. And I don't know anyone else who's able to have this kind of like weird side project where truly some of the most shocking and violent lyrics I've ever heard um, outside of like death metal effectively, mm. um, which, you know, most of the time you can't even make out. Whereas like Tabby Diggs' cadence is so clear, it, you know, yeah. you, you, you tune into it and you know what he's singing about, um, which is, this is probably a good segue into Riggle. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I, you've got to watch this Nature Valley ad. If, if anyone hasn't seen it, or if you can put on like a little audio clip of the Dabby Diggs Nature Valley song. We restore 10,000 miles and we'll restore 10,000 more. Nature Valley made these trails accessible, so go explore. It's just obscene. It's just absolutely obscene watching him like smile and walk around this mm. like forest and everyone's like laughing and he's eating, eating Nature Valley bars and you're like, no, this is the same guy who wrote this whole song about a killer prostitute who like drugs people and kills them with power tools like in a white van it's you know it's, it's mental absolutely mental um but yeah should i should i just should I start talking about riggle hard segue do it slide to the left like it's blue on the floor what a beautiful move when you reach for the dough like they wouldn't make the straps who's enough for that this ain't your first rodeo show maybe better act like you know how to ride it like a pogo they don't want to slow mo don't stop the move calypso but use the polo and flip the whole show and drip like soul glow don't move get slapped can't run bring it back tighten up stay strapped make it red make it clap 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 that mouth shut bounce for your boy rip for your girl scream for your life beg for a minute everybody want to be a star but don't nobody matter working for the privilege you better just get into it and show off 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 with um yeah wriggle is is much more actually kind of initially the type of stuff i listen to like i'm like a big like fetus and like jg so well fan and stuff like that and i i like a lot of noise rock um and obviously this is sort of the influence of the other two guys like jonathan and will um by the way there what's in the bag uh video they do from Niba. yeah what well, pauline oliveros is yeah it's so funny fax machine yeah because yeah. <laughs> david is coming in with like oh yeah mac dre i really like him this is one of his best albums and then william and jonathan yeah they're literally like yeah this is fucking harsh noise from yeah. like computer sounds it's or something. 30 minutes of yeah yeah well, the pauline uh oliveros i think so you say name is literally just the noises of cables being plugged mm. in and out of machines um which it's it's great if you're into that stuff but mm -hmm. uh I, yeah i remember the first time i heard riggle i it just absolutely blew me away and i listened to it about three times in a row while i was on southwestern rail uh just like wow 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 because that song is um it's one of the most elaborate i think uh hard-hitting and just fucking bonkers tracks they've ever released. And I think that perfectly, that song is like the ultimate show of talent, right? Musically is those guys mm. that like, they're big, like noise artists, but the fact that they can make a song using like hard noise and fucking like really, really out there production that works as a track that you can just listen to for someone who isn't necessarily into that stuff. There's a there's a I bit think, um yeah. so they sample uh Riggle Like a Fucking Eel, which is yeah. a White House underground techno track from the nineties. And one of the most impressive things is there's a bit where they a, a bridge where they just sample him saying Riggle Like a over and over again to the point that it sounds like move your body. Yeah. they just re-released uh, that EP mm. you were mentioning and, and I mean like I love I love the intro track off it I think it's one of their best album intros they've done um, some of the others like Shooter I'm not as big on but yeah. that just that track alone I have never gone bored of it's probably one of my most listened to songs of last year and um, I've never stopped plugging it to people just because I've never like played it to anyone for the first time and they haven't just been like what the fuck was that like, oh my god 
that was great, you know, and it really does... Um, so they, they like it? Or? Yeah, well, okay. some people don't. Some people don't, and yeah. that's fine, like, because it's an incredibly aggressive song, and, and that whole album, I mean, I think it's probably the coolest cover they've ever had, like, the illustration yeah, the BDSM. of the, the gimp suit, and that song's like a, just like a full-on BDSM, like, nightmare yeah effectively it's all of the you know like um uh, work all night cry all day come inside yeah. you gotta pay like it's like very very depressing and very intense and I'd, I'd argue like one of their most kind of shocking songs mm. lyrically weirdly even though it isn't necessarily as violent as a lot of their others but just the, kind of haunting and they do that yeah like you said yeah. before they do a great sort of synthesis sometimes where a song can sound quite upbeat and clubby you know this has just like a full-on like 90s rave beat to it at some yeah. point and then if you listen to the lyrics it's oh no it's so depressing and i mean you know what the the, the my main issue i'm very glad because one day i i hope for the love of god i'd kill to use it in a film one day but this song should have been used in climax the oh yeah film. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's like it's like perfect for that that's the only one of the one of the best things about clipping is as someone who's you know like very into visuals mm. um when it comes to like stuff i do i think most songs when i listen to them the songs i really like usually have some kind of accompanying visuals to them right like or, or like a kind of scene comes to mind or an image mm. comes to mind because clipping i rarely get anything because it is so idiosyncratic yes so perfectly crafted i don't like start dreaming about oh, what I could use it as a soundtrack for. The only thing I could ever think about using it for is literally a clipping musical. Like, that's... Because there isn't anything Oh, my God, like that it. sounds... I would One day, that. one day, the, I would the dream. sweaty underground theatre well, that you would put that on. Yeah, you know, that's the thing, though, right, is you listen, and, and it's so just brilliantly, like... It, it's like you were saying with him using his kind of, the sort of, like, the joystick and stuff as, a, as an instrument. Like, there's no one else who can rap any of those songs except for Dabby Diggs and there's no one else who could produce a song except for those guys mm. and they work perfectly together you know like it really is um I, I the one thing I'm the most fascinated about with them is I don't necessarily know like th that synergy of where the beat starts getting written and the the rhymes start getting written at the same time so they were saying that yeah. they write it sort of Dabby Diggs likened it to being in a writer's room for a tv show because he is a writer he writes um he wrote and directed and starred he didn't direct it. He wrote and starred in the film Blind Spotting, um, and they're making a series of it. Which yeah. Blind Spotting is actually one of my favourite films that came out in 2019. I think it's fantastic. Um, and he was saying that they, it's the concept they all come up with together, yeah. and um, they talk about the ideas and what they're going to do for it. And then um, Jonathan and William come up with the beats, and David writes over them. Yeah. So they, it's it's definitely a ball that they know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. And then they give it to him and he's like, okay, this is my job. This I is my think, part of it. I think just the way also it, when you really get into like the, the, the kind of geeky level of, of oh. thinking about, of thinking about it. And clipping's definitely one of those bands. You can, they're you can, such nerds. They're such nerds. Uh, I think it's because they're, they're, they're mixed by, I think it's the same guy for the last three albums, but who effectively usually does like orchestral stuff for mm. films. And um, you just, there's so much to unpack. Again, no other band really out there, again, except for like hard industrial noise and stuff, mm. can have a minute of just ear bleeding static at the end of one of arguably their. Again, it's hilarious because if I'd ever tried to like find like you know like hip hop clip clipping tracks, I can mm. recommend to people. I always go oh La, La Mala or or, or Dini off. Um, I think that's how you say it, off. There exists an addiction, and it's got one of the most like concise and 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 concise is the word I'd use, right? It's one of the most accessible clipping songs until you get to the end where it's literally just fifty percent off your shot. That's that's what an you? Uber Eats email. <laughs> Uh, yeah. For those at home, you can—they're not our sponsor, but yeah, it's a good service. You no free, no free, no free exposure. <laughs> sure, um, uh, you can bleep out their name. You know, I think, uh, yeah, with that song, right? It's like there's a normal—it's it's not a normal rap song. It's still about cutting up their bodies, uh, but um, it gets to like the end, and it's just a minute of like harsh fucking noise. Like that's mm. all it is, but. It doesn't feel unearned or a deliberate attempt to be shocking. Like it's just, it's just clipping. It's brilliant. It's this great yeah. synthesis of 
getting to experiment. Clearly the fact that they do this stuff for them and it happens to have this mainstream appeal. I've got some of the things that they do just seems so much for them to the point that an audience could never know about it unless you told them. For example, off um, Secret Peace, I think it's off Secret Peace on uh, Visions of Bodies Being Burned. Yeah. At the end, your the, the character comes out into this like sort of urban cityscape and it's calming. It's like at the end of a slasher movie where the person gets to the city and they're safe. Yeah. But in an interview, they say that recording is from the scene of the Black Dahlia murder. Um, and yeah, Jonathan even talks about, yeah, I had this idea that I wanted to do pre-dawn choruses at sites of famous murders. That's fantastic. And at another yeah. point in more than one of their songs, they say there's this little trick where they have the uh, frequency at 66.6 hertz, which mm. again, you, you're not going to know that when you're listening to yeah. it. That's for them, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's uh, I think I think the main one of the main things I, I really want to just just get across with my kind of love for them because I I they they truly have been one of the most uh, they're they're surefire my favorite hip hop group at this point and they're very quickly just becoming one of my favorite bands mm. um, and I know I'm a massive hyperbolist so we'll be able to tell you but like sure. I really adore I fucking love clipping and um, I think the the thing they really just do for me. Is it is so unapologetically just like gothic and mm. big and fucking gruesome mm. and 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 you know borderline satanic at points that I just I, like who where else are you gonna find something like that to listen to and in a, in a in an age especially of hip hop where it's like you could literally say anything and people are like mm. that's not that shocking to have just the degree of sincerity that comes with these stories that they're yeah. telling and the the commitment to true horror, like really scary, scary production and scary lyrics and stuff that isn't always comfortable to listen to. But like, I, I just, I have so much respect for them as artists. I, and like, I wanted I to talk, unreal. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the influence because like we say, they're massive nerds and to hear them talk, they have such a dense knowledge of all things musical and film that they bring into whatever they make in terms of things that they overtly reference and so many of their songs are sort of this cultural collage of especially visions of bodies being burned is like bringing in rap references and like people that they like and 90s rappers that they pay direct homage to in their songs and also um, so obviously it's ghetto boys isn't it exactly and then yeah. sends uh send ups to ha um halloween Candyman, yeah. um scream in 96 nev campbell i think before we move on from that reference though what's, what's very significant as well in terms of what they do is that um that the song the the sample visions of bodies uh being burnt is taken from um i sit alone in my room and the thought it uh, yeah how do I forget? I listen to this song all the fucking time. Oh, I have it on uh, my phone. Shit on a night I can't sleep. I toss and turn candlesticks because it isn't cool visions of bodies being burnt. But um, my mind is playing tricks on me by Ghetto Boys. That's that's it. Song. Yeah. At night I can't sleep. I toss and turn candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Uh, you know that at the time it came out and still now is again one of the most poignant and honest mm. songs about the actual kind of horrific realities of the gangster mm. lifestyle. Yeah, and David he, Diggs said yeah. he loved that because that is the most horrifying line in rap music. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's um, it's also, you know, there's stuff, there's very much, there's a verse of that song takes place on Halloween night mm. where the kind of protagonist of it, like, is imagined he's being chased by two people and ends up, like, sort of punching this imaginary person that mm. isn't there and his knuckles are all fucked up because he's just been punching concrete and it's like, at the time that was coming out in the age of gangster rap and things like so just mm. brilliantly poignant and ahead of its time and I, I just yeah I that's a direct homage that I think he pays so incredibly well which is uh, so funny as well because it's such yeah. a gothic dark image that you'd think if anything it would be a reference to like a Toronto or some sort of gothic yeah. no, novel or something but no it's ghetto boys yeah 90s <laughs> rap and also that ghetto boys song as well has just one of the most laid back it's like a, it's not Smokey Robinson, but it has one of the most laid back samples underneath it ever, and it is just this kind of sleepy mm. beat that you know it's 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 a little bit 
it's very different to clipping, but I just you, you can tell how much that that, yeah. that I I still think like that Ghetto Boys track is one of the best songs out of the whole gangster rap genre. But I, I remember hearing it the first time on on that because the track isn't called cool, it's called cool to say the name, you know. And when mm. it came out as a single, um, I just remember hearing that and I was like, sick. Exactly. <laughs> you know where it's you know where it's coming from. But I wonder uh, how new is that as a phenomenon to have these like bands and projects that have intertextuality and and reference baked into their dna you know something that is not just a offshoot that they do every once in a while it's like there are songs that are centrally about referencing and paying homage to things that they respect and love i think what what you kind of i think maybe obviously there's a new element of that but i think it's also more we have the inside track to it a lot more I think it is something that artists have always done. Obviously, mm. then we have more access to it now, where it's like we really can bury our heads in references. And like you said, you know, stuff like recording at the scene of the Black Dolly, like, that's fucking awesome, right? <laughs> but it's also not something that anyone would appreciate. I think it's something that just good artists have always done. But mm. now, with a band like Clipping, A, a lot of the time, it's become a lot more part of the course as part of the media circuit to talk about that stuff mm. because when people can get access to it, right? So you look at something like the Amoeba video where they're going through, people who like clipping most likely will watch that. And I know I know, I certainly did. I was like, fuck, who's pulling Oli- you know, Oliveros? I'll go check mm. it out. And um, there's more of a market for those videos just as a thing now mm. because music is so accessible. Well, they, they so yeah. readily do not want to be stealing they want to give people this exactly, credit in yeah. if you go on their spotify bio they're talking about visions of bodies being burned and specifically <laughs> so they so, yeah. they name check all of the artists that they're influenced yeah. by and then also they have a playlist on their spotify page yeah, that is fucking awesome here are songs that we think hopefully we're going to update it week by week yeah. that we think play into our music quite well so they definitely want people to understand where they're coming from i think i think uh, it's and it's it's awesome they're so open about it mm. i think a lot of bands and artists are starting to realize though that again when people have the capacity to listen to so much music and to the degree that it's like you get bored of music very quickly now sure what we really appreciate about artists now are those who are like points in the direction of even more to listen to even if it isn't necessarily mm. their stuff so i i don't necessarily think it's that that artists are doing it much more now um uh i think i think to a degree that is and i'm probably not the best person to speak on it because but i you know what i really think it is is that artists are now understanding that it's really important to give that to their listeners Mm. um the whole story of their music like where the influences come from um and and that kind of comes a bit with the age of social media with sharing more music and stuff like that just personally is what you listen to in your normal life Mm. but um yeah clipping a huge nerd uh to an almost yeah legendary degree i don't know i know very other like few other artists who really do go into that much depth and um and also are that open about it so i mean you you've spoken about influence specifically in your yes films like in in melomaniac your short film uh which was screened at fright fest quite recently wasn't it yes sir and um there is one of the key turning points in the film is when one of the characters discovers that the song that they've been working on for weeks and weeks is actually something that they've unconsciously cribbed from a jazz musician yeah that it already exists and they've just got this cryptomnesia yeah i oh sorry no and then in um your newest film that's coming out, your feature, Mr. Video, which I was lucky enough to work on, you have a line, a sort of a jab at people who say, oh, I don't like to watch anything or read anything when I'm working on something because I don't want to be unconsciously yeah. influenced. Yeah, I, I always sort of say to that, to the suggestion that, um, you know, like good, good writers don't read. You know, uh, because again, they don't want to be influenced. My response is always just, you should be so fucking lucky. You know, like it's, um, I I think for someone who, I personally think that it's your duty as a filmmaker or an artist or anything to really consume as much Mm. of that as humanly possible. Because if you don't love it and love doing it, then why are you doing it in the first place? Um, And I think... Yeah, I, I think clipping are almost the benchmark for that. I There's a very big difference between being derivative and um, and wearing your influences on your sleeve. Mm. And the sad truth is, is it's usually as simple, because I lose so much bloody sleep over it, uh, it's usually as simple as the fact that 
if I'm having this much of an emotional turmoil about it, I'm probably doing an okay job in, in, in just being honest with the type of stuff I'm mm. interested in. Uh, so, I mean, do you ever, when you're making something, do you ever realize partway through at uh, whatever point in the process, oh, wait a minute, this I've sort of sl- somewhat cribbed from all some time. other piece of work. All the time. What do you do? Do you try to lean into it? Yeah, I think I think I try and... I, so, obviously, the, the, the character in my new film is called Helena after the um, the female lead in Peeping Tom. Right. Uh, and and that film is, again, it's about my uh, my latest film, the, not 100% sure what the release will be like, but it, it is... you're still in the a, editing. Phase yeah, it's still... It's, it's very much a big kind of jab at that whole idea of, mm. of, you know, like these sort of art geniuses who don't actually like yeah. art at all. Because your your main character is such a sociopathic narcissist and there is yeah. something quite narcissistic about assuming that you can create something out of the pure dr- instinctive vision of your Absolutely. own brain without Absolutely. like building on what's come before you. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, again, at that, at that level, all good art, and it is, it's, it's why I'm very conscious to stress that I think it has always kind of been like this. You go back to any period and you'll always find some sort of writing from the writers of the day about fear of ripping off other writers. Mm. Um, and, and, um, and what's that, what's that T.S. Eliot quote? Oh God. What? Oh, God, not off the top of my head. Don't do this. Okay. Well, look, <laughs> it's something that I'll kick myself for getting wrong, but it's something along the lines of like, good artists take influence, great artists steal or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think, you know, and there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. Uh, you've got to be incredibly careful talking about it. Cause I do also know people who will use this sort of like weird ambivalence to just rip people off. Um, and with, with music, it's exceptionally hard because you also don't have a boundless amount of notes, right? Which seems like a silly thing, but, but, um, it's like, it's like you always hear about pop song chords or something, right? Where there are these four chords that not even in a different time signature, like in the same time signature and the same progression, they exist in about 60% of pop songs or whatever. Um, there's wrong numbers. I'm just talking out my ass, but you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Um, and, and what, what I think, uh, it takes someone really good to, again, like clipping is to do something within the limited scope that you have as a musician, right? Of like, you've got all these notes that you can do, uh, in the same way that with film, you are working within a cultural reference base, right? That everyone lives within. Um, so, so the idea of showing something truly, 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 truly original, you know, like right out the arse end of your mind, you grew mm. up as a baby, never seen a film in your life and someone just puts a camera in your hand and is like, film that, it's probably suck. Yeah. Uh, or at least also just because it, the, we as people know what films look like, we know what art looks mm. like. And, and I mean, there's a whole other thing to be like challenging that. And now I'm really talking myself into a corner. What I'm saying with music and what's so fantastic about clipping uh, is that they've found a way to, again, truly make something I feel like I've never heard before, mm. but when I actually listen to it, I can pick out all the different yeah. ingredients. And they they want to be clear about the fact that this isn't something that you've never heard before. Yeah. This is where we got it from. These are all the things that we lifted, that we liked, and we put it together into our own thing. Yeah. And and I mean, that's what, that's what you know, it's, it's why so many good musicians can DJ and why so many you know, good filmmakers can kind of like edit and have a great mm. passion for film is it's like, if you want to make something truly original yeah. in this day and age, it doesn't come from just like some subconscious soup. It comes from you truly engrossing yourself in every single mm. piece of media you can find about this thing. I mean, trying yeah. to work out how you personally feel about it. The band started out with Hudson and Snipes doing rap remixes. Yes. Yeah together and then inviting David Diggs to come and rap over it. Oh, man, I killed it. I killed to watch like a live set of just them playing. Not even their own music, of just them playing other people's music. Because I mean like, I, yeah, they really are. I, I Clipping has been an incredibly, it's weird with, with music, right? But clipping has been an incredibly important part of my life this sure. last year because I really have listened to them every day in some capacity. And, uh, you know, um, we even edited like a segment of the new film as placeholder because I definitely don't have the money for the rights to uh, Check the Lock, which is a great track off the new album. Again, mm. very much about the sort of like horrification of, of, of this, this drug kingpin's like little life and this, this kind of anecdote. Uh, I Yeah, I just, I have so much respect for these guys as artists that when you did ask me like what piece of art would I like to talk mm. about, 
I couldn't even pick an album. I was just like, those two songs to me are great intros if you're interested in listening to the band. Um, and so, I mean, what's your relationship with the sound design part of filmmaking? I mean, it, 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 it's tough. It really, really everything sort of, for me, I try and think about in the world of the diegetic sound. And, and this, this is just me describing how I think like most people think about it. But um, yeah, what, what you said about them doing field recording, mm. um, but obviously also they're using borrowed sound from stuff, mm. is what I think great filmmaking does um is is and and i was i was talking about this to a friend recently the other day cause, uh we were talking about uh, maholland drive yes and uh the use of the song crying in it which is obviously like translated into a different language for the secret and it's it's sort of but now i'm just literally rambling sound design yes sound design <laughs> i don't just repeat it yep what lynch does fantastically is Again, like we were talking about with clipping, recontextualize stuff. What he does fantastically about sound design, which I always treat as the benchmark, is he is very able to to trick you into thinking that music is playing somewhere in the scene, and it's mm. almost like just playing in your head. It kind of feels like at the end of the day, the I always say film is sixty percent fat. Film is sixty percent sound, forty percent image. Right, in the That's... truly. Kind of a hot take in a way. I no, I I, I really do. I think, think there are a lot that, of people that would contend that it's the other way around. I'll fight them. Okay. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is so important. The the one thing that I do really take from film school and just having watched so many student films, you will always be able to tell something as a student film from the way it sounds. Right. Yeah, that's very true. So, the key thing is that nothing takes people out of an experience more than the audio. You can have a film that really, you can have a film that looks like shit. Kareem probably proves this a couple of times. But if the sound works and the sound is consistent, mm. whether it be consistently bad or consistently good, consistency is really the important thing. That is something that for some reason, I wouldn't be able to say why, it takes people either in or out of the experience. Yeah. And like something with Splendor and Misery, like the clipping, you listen to that whole album and it's so it's so it is like cinematic it's yeah. so big screen and and the, the noises are all mixed perfectly and you feel like you're in this fucking spaceship you know like in this terrifying rocket with the breach and like that two cars be cool ice cold kill up a few more let them be cool why don't you just speak on yeah at the end of the day for me when it comes to sound design uh depending on how artistically you do it or if you want it to be diegetic or not, the key thing is just that it's consistent. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, that was a complete soup of words and noise. No, you've made a good point about, I, I think especially... The yeah, way it that, took a while, but we got there. <laughs> it, people don't think about how much the sound design can affect your viewing experience. It's like a lot of things in that you, if it's done well... You don't notice it. It's only if it's done badly. Same with editing. That you exactly take the same with editing. And Good I, editing should mm -hmm. never be noticed. It should just be something that happens. I can name so many student films that have been bad, including ones that I've made myself. Because oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's something that no student filmmaker you think like, oh, I'm going to be the next Quentin Tarantino. I've got all these like visual ideas that I want to put together. They've got no idea about the technical stuff and. Some of them are not really interested in it because it's a hard grind to learn about audio mixing and how to use these different pieces of equipment. I think sound is more important to, like, if you have a basic understanding. I'm not a cinematographer. Mm. Um, I know what the lenses do. I know, I, know, I know vaguely how to do it. I do like messing around with cameras as every director should. But um, I think the, the key thing for me has always just been, like, what clipping, again, forces you to think about just mm. because... I know, again, the first time I heard Riggle, I was just sitting there like, I need to work out how to make something that sounds like this, because this is the craziest and coolest mm -hmm. thing I've ever fucking heard. Like, I really, I really, it was such a strong impact to me when I first heard that song. And I, 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 I desperately, you know, I, I can't beg anyone who's getting into filmmaking to someone who's done it. And every, every student film, every film school student will like know this and stuff like that. But, um just sound is so 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 important and listening to stuff like clipping does give you an appreciation for just how something is mixed and mastered it makes all the difference between you kind of hearing something almost as if it's coming out of a speaker and you hearing it as if you're in the spaceship on spider misery so yeah 
that's uh that's my my hot take 60 percent sound 40 percent visual i mean you make a little bit of music yourself yeah yeah i mean not that you'd ever want to make a career out of that necessarily <laughs> no, no, not it's like, more of a hobby isn't it yeah yeah exactly i think um, do you ever play with like sound stuff when you're doing that yeah hugely i mean um yeah, I don't really, I don't really talk about it because always that should be followed by like, oh, and you can check me out here. Or you can yeah, check me out here on the site. it's never, it's never. You it's, know. it's against the law to like not plug your yeah, creative it's, project. It's it's weird. Um, I mean, I, God, Jesus, I can't, I can't really plug too much for the film or where to go because it's not sure. even up yet, and I'm so bad. What about at that. your erotic novels? <laughs> no, we won't talk about those. Uh, again, still, uh, still, as of I took the last one off uh, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. Oh damn! Because uh, because I, I didn't, I wasn't happy with it, so I got to change it. You gonna you gonna rework? We, I, I already have. It's ready to go. I just need oh, to actually fantastic. get off my ass. Uh, this is my post-ironic erotica. That, again, is a completely different, uh, massive thing to just throw at me. So, yeah, but that's all right. Um, no, with with music and just like soundscape stuff, uh, I've become recently very obsessed with just the uh, the difference in quality between like the sort of digital and analog stuff because I'm incredibly shit at digital music production. Uh, and again, it's like you're saying, it's almost the grind of learning it. I'm just too lazy to do. Uh, all of my stuff is done off like just a mixer and a loop pedal and like. I'm a, I'm a very dumb. Can you say what the difference is between okay, analog so, and well, digital music production? I, I think the main thing is you know like when I do all my like shitty synth stuff and it's just plugging wires literally in and out of the back sure. of the looping pedal, um, and you're getting the feedback from that. You're getting the thing. Would be a lot easier if I had just a MIDI keyboard, a drum pad plug straight into Ableton, right. it would sound a lot cleaner and a lot more professional. Um, but, you know, because it is more of a sort of hobby thing for me, and I don't really put the music out there, and it's very much about, like, the live performance of, you know, like, mixing dance mm. music as you're, as, you're, as you're making it, basically. Um, I love the physicality of, like, the crunch that you get from recording, not onto a computer, but onto a literal looping pedal. And then you loop so many different sounds over the top of it, you can barely hear any of them anymore. And it's just, this... uh, but it's also like the only effects base I've got. Cause again, I'm really dumb when it comes to Ableton and stuff like that. So I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think clipping has very much, uh, if anything was going to put me towards releasing some of the stuff that I work on musically, even if it is just a hobby clipping truly has been a very big motivator just because it is so out there. Um, and it does kind of give me a, uh, a sense that like, oh, hey, if, if people are actually listening to this shit, I'm nowhere near as good a writer as Davy Diggs and I'm not a rapper at all. But in terms of the noise element of it, then maybe I could start releasing some of my music because it's, you know, it's similarly supposed to just absolutely horrify you. <laughs> Riggle especially. I think Riggle is the most adjacent and just important track for me personally. I mean, cause, because yeah. a lot of the stuff that you like to create happens to fall into that horror category yes. yeah, yeah, yeah not that it's like all that you're into but no, you're sure. definitely something that interests you is getting this reaction out of people yeah i i think it's i think it's more uh a way of of kind of and i get the impression uh, impression impression i get the Im impression from Dick. i'm not gonna well. edit that out no i know you're not that's fine mm -hmm. i've probably said much he's, he's human too <laughs> no i um i think uh I think maybe Diggs has a similar thing because obviously he's got such a sort of weird clean cut public image but is able to write this incredibly violent stuff. Um, I know for me it's less about... It, I Obviously there's a front part of horror directing where you get to go like, okay, this part is going to really freak him out. Mm. You know, like like with like the finger chopping in, in Melomania yeah, where sure. it was like, I, that was specifically set up to be a shocking moment. Mm. Um, but a large part of it is just kind of exercising the horrible garbage that I have to think about all the fucking time, you know? And I know, I know like, oh, it was like the whole, the classic Wes Craven thing of just like, I don't really have nightmares anymore because I put them all on screen. Uh, and I don't remember the, I think it was a book called Shock Theatre I was reading where the introductions by the guy who produced Last House on the Left and was talking about when he got the script for it, he was like an exploitation director. And he got the script and he was like, holy shit, this is like the nasty, this is going to, this is going to be really horrible. Uh, and he met Wes Craven and he couldn't believe for a, a solid month that it was the same guy who wrote it. Cause he was expecting this kind of like horrible pervert almost. Do you, do people ever 
get a little bit freaked out um, when they see or experience your no, horror No, leanings. I think I'm a bit more upfront about being a complete basket case. Um, oh, I, so they yeah. read your scripts and they look at you in the gate go, yeah, that yeah, makes, yeah, that, makes that sense. sounds about that sounds about right. I think um, I think the thing that that especially with partly because I have like not really any money to make films um a lot of the more body horror stuff i'm interested in it's it's not just a mm. case of like that's a case of like having the money to actually bring it to screen you know um which which i, I guess clipping has it, it's it's you can just say it so with my personal writing and like prose and stuff like that and random stuff and scripts as well that i do not have the money to make yet i'll go a lot more out with the much more violent elements mm. of of the horror and, and and the murder and stuff like that but your new film mr video is much there's no violence in it it's not visceral like yeah. some of your other works or prospective works it's very much just a creeping sense of dread i i the whole the whole point of, of this new film was specifically because uh, it is about a this kind of like amateur director uh who this is every time i pitch i'm just like grabbing up my collar like the whole <laughs> point is that this guy isn't you know like this is the the nightmare of what I think we should be avoiding as amateur mm -hmm. filmmakers, basically. Uh, this guy's making these kind of effectively exploitation movies under the guise of them being social issue films about yeah. about sexual assault, about like you know all kinds of stuff, and um, yeah, because his whole attitude towards it is very much he ropes people into these these really dodgy films just by effectively saying no, 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 it's important, it needs to be shocking, we need to see it, we need to see what's happening. In in order to get the issue, in order to out get there. the issue, which I think is kind of bullshit. Mm. Um, the whole point of the film is that you never actually see any of what he's doing. Um, it's all kind of shot around, and the impact of the before and after, mm. and, and like which the situations. I suppose is a very deliberate choice on your part Usually to so. not be the person that you're yeah. satirizing. Exactly. Well, like, um, yeah. what's that film, Cannibal Holocaust, which is yeah, yeah satirizing exploitative filmmaking and itself is <laughs> it's a huge exploitation <laughs> yeah. film um and and you know there's a there's something well something as like silly as kind of a holocaust it's kind of like i you know i i i get it and i can i can do it and i you know i enjoy it my own way um but with this specifically because the topic is so serious and and i think at least important to me personally um as someone who's been you know like making amateur films for fucking a couple of years now and, and has, has helped out with a lot of them that that I have problems with. Uh, I think the the key thing with this movie, there's a reason why when we get to watch our main character directing these films, we never really see from his perspective. Mm. We see some of his personal home movies, but we never see his kind of cinematic vision because the whole point of the movie was to deprive Don, the character, of that. Um, so it's uh, it's very no frills, which which I usually like frills. I like sure. I like. I like very you know like kind of more bespoke stuff but this is this is very different to my usual type of thing but partly just because it's such an important issue to me i didn't really want to chuck anything else in there yeah um and I'm, i'll get back to making grisly weird horror films soon uh, but this was just like a serious thing i felt i needed to make after three years of film school and i mean a lot of your stuff yeah. is about sort of creativity and a lot of your characters are artists and filmmakers or yeah i'm i'm weirdly enough i'm trying to uh I'm trying to I'm trying to get away from it a little bit. Not because I'm not interested in it, I'm hugely interested in it. Um and exploring the creative process as I think most creatives are. But um you've really got to the thing that I regret most about Melomaniac, although I think a lot of things work about it, is uh one of my original ideas for it was to capture Frisson, which is like to me one of the most incredible artistic sensations which basically means you know it's that feeling you get when your hair stands on end when you hear a song that's just so stimulating mm. it's almost like sub like musical sublimity right like it's, yeah. it's so just awe-inspiring yeah you, you almost transcend and you know i always got it watching stop making sense which is mm. one of the main kind of starting points thinking about this idea of like how does someone who's an anhedonic depressive how are they able to feel that feeling all the time mm. right because that's 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 what i'm fucking after like I, I think about a song like wriggle which still after hearing it for the i could not count how many times i like i've listened to that song every other day at least right it's just on constant rotation since i first heard it um probably not that frequently but you get the idea 
Um, and um, yeah, I, I listen to that song and it gives me that feeling. It gives me the free song. I just, I just, I, you know, my heart's in my mouth the entire time I'm listening to it. And, and all I want is to be able to experience that feeling all the mm. time because it's so fantastic. And that was originally the part of Melomaniac that I think a lot of the Anhedonia comes across. I don't know if that musical effect really does. Right. Um, but it was, you wanted to illustrate what it's like in a semi-proto-autobiographical way. Yeah. What if there was this protagonist who is addicted to feeling that frisson, mm -hmm. yeah, needs to feel it at all yeah. times. Yeah, and also obsessed with creating yeah. it as well. But That's... it's funny that both of these um, projects are about parts of yourself, but also you're very, very critical of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, like the protagonists of just villains. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I mean, it's, it's hard because I've, I've had a very hard time pitching Mr. Video and I've, I've been lucky enough to sort of have a very close group of friends work on it with me, uh, who, who have just sort of been able to read the script. Obviously, usually you need some sort of treatment or something to write people in. It's very hard with Mr. Video because it's about incredibly dodgy amateur filmmaking. Mm. And obviously I'm an amateur filmmaker, so it's like the whole emphasis. And I mean, you got a little bit of a taste of it being on the production for two days, but like the whole my whole thing about it was to be as, as above board as possible, right? And mm. like, you know, treat it to industry standard and the way it was produced, and I think we were able to do that. Um, you know, uh, for a film that is about someone who is the complete antithesis of it, the only element... I, I think anyone who knows me knows that the character in Melomaniac is a lot closer to me, at, at least in terms of a lot of my insecurities and shit, than... Don and Mr. Video. Yeah. Don is like a full on embodiment of everyone I hate. And um I, I'm incredibly self critical, but I'm at least my confidence is enough to say I don't think I'm like Don mm. uh at all. Um what the element of me that I think is in there is sort of like the fascination with um how much do you show? Uh and I mean his whole excuse is effectively this guy just wants to see nasty shit. Um and um it tries to colour it with this this edge of like social consciousness mm. which which is is almost to me worse than just wanting to see bad stuff in the first place because i have an incredibly macabre sensibility i mm. love you know all the exploitation i love all that shit cannibal holocaust whatever um but i think my whole thing is just being incredibly above board about it uh you know my stuff with true crime you know my stuff with you know like murder and everything like that like it's always been a fascination and i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it's because i'm like socially conscious or that i'm like doing anything humanitarian with it it's just that nasty part of my brain that it kind of scratches um not meaning that i yeah. want to do it but just that i'm very interested by well it. that's and it's what clipping it's is exactly again. what clipping is as well. violent yeah. gruesome songs that yeah. really scratch this weird primal itch yeah. yeah and you almost get to exercise it by listening to them yeah as, as like i think i like to with, with just like horror writing and horror in general which is lovely again because it's a lot less iffy and exploitative if it's a song yeah. it's written because you know that like they didn't make this as a film and like yeah, you exactly. know put some poor struggling actors through yeah. much of hell well again the whole it. the whole point of mr video was that like this guy's putting these actors through hell so the last thing we want to do is put them through anything adjacent to that mm. um you know and you know what it was a fun set it was a good set it was all right <laughs> i was a bit stressed on the day you were there um i was drinking a lot of barocca <laughs> that was it was okay it was okay it was it was a it was um you know and again that was one of the most intense scenes in the movie we we had to film there so like i think and it was very well handled and it's good to be aware of this sort of stuff it's good that you were making a film about this sort of thing and you were making such an effort to not be this person and to make sure that everything was above board yeah it's 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 tough because obviously now with you know and it's it's so important to like I'm not one of those people who who's gonna go and be like oh you can't make films like you used to be able to nowadays yeah. uh, you know that is true to a degree but also like I think I'd argue it's mostly a pretty great thing yeah. that you can't exploit your cast and stuff like that um, you know I don't I don't like the uh, lack of practical effects you know I want explosions and things like that to come back in a big way uh, but um, yeah, when it comes down to just like general care and the idea of this sort of the director is this like lone ranger, you know, like, oh, I can do what I, you know, it's all expression of art. Again, that the whole point of this film is to be against that. Um, because, you know, like big exploitation, you know, it's not just Weinstein. It's not like on this like crazy producer high Hollywood level. It happens at film school. It happens right at the start. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's always there in the arts. Uh, and 
you know, obviously the arts are some of the most like progressive sectors yeah. we've got going out there, but it also like hides so much exploitation uh, that comes under the guise of like, oh hey, you know, hey, it's all it's all chill, it's all laid back. Well, that's that's why we're doing a fully nude scene. You know, you're not being prudish, are you? You're not doing and that. That shit happens way more than people like to think. So um, fuck that. Yeah, uh, clipping's great. Fuck exploitation. <laughs> and that is I don't want to say anything to ruin what is a cogent and insightful message so I reckon we'll leave it there yeah yeah thank you very much for, for letting me come and just sort of ramble about oh no really please like... uh, thank you for coming on and um, talking about clipping which now that I've spent a good week listening to it on repeat it's become one of my favourite bands they're pretty awesome right possibly through Stockholm Syndrome but also they are fantastic <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, James Sharon B is a filmmaker. You should look out for his stuff. Um, I'll I'll find some way to give you some kind of thing that you can put in the description of this. That'll be very good. Uh, yeah, if you want to fuck us, right? I'm not off the top of my head, and I'm very bad at self promotion, which I'm trying to work on. Well, I'll but... promote him for you. He's a he's a good boy and a good <laughs> artist. Um, just like clipping. Uh, so thank you very much for watching. Um, Same um, thing. Basically, we'll see you next time. Thanks <laughs> thank a lot, you very guys. Much. Goodbye.